Hey guys, it's Elaine, host of Raising Deaf Kids, where we get weekly encouragement, education, and feel empowered to raise our deaf kids as hearing parents together. So grab your coffee and let's get started. Hello everyone and Merry Christmas. I hope that you guys all had a fabulous Christmas and had so much fun celebrating the holiday season this week. Today on the podcast, we have some very special guests. I had the opportunity and the pleasure to speak with Hero Harrison and his mom, Summer. Harrison is eight years old and was born profoundly deaf. And at the age of 18 months, he underwent cochlear implant surgery. Harrison is bilingual and uses a combination of sign and spoken language. Harrison dreams of becoming either an audiologist or a YouTuber when he's older, and he believes being deaf is something quite special. And that is just something that I loved when I was talking to Summer, Harrison's mom, and Harrison, is just the positivity that they have around raising a deaf child. Harrison is very positive about his hearing loss and wearing cochlear implants and also learning BSL or British Sign Language. And I just think it's so interesting to talk to other parents in different countries. So Summer and Harrison are in the UK. I am in the United States. And, you know, I just love talking to other parents in general. And I find it so interesting to talk to other parents in different countries, you know, just to see what kind of like the similarities and differences are, you know, between our systems in the United States that are set up to support deaf and hard of hearing people and systems in different countries. And honestly, what I found out when talking today with Summer and Harrison is that a lot of the same issues that we face here in the United States, they actually also face in the UK. We talk about everything with Summer. We talk about advocating for a child with hearing loss. We talk about how to help your child start advocating for themselves. And we talk all about IEP and school services. Summer and Harrison are so amazing to talk to. I just loved meeting them and loved having this conversation with them. And I know that you are just going to love them too. So sit back with some coffee and welcome to Raising Deaf Kids, Summer and Harrison. Okay, welcome to the Raising Deaf Kids podcast. I want to welcome Harrison and his mom, Summer, on the podcast today. Welcome, guys. So glad to see you. Hi, thank you so much Um, for having us. Of course. I'm just so excited. Like I said a little bit earlier before we start recording, I've been following along with you guys. I love your messages, what you're doing. Harrison, I love seeing you. You're such a great advocate for yourself and others. And you've definitely even helped me with my boys because sometimes my boys, their language is still like coming along a bit. You know, sometimes they can't like tell me things. So talking to like other people like you who maybe have like a bit more language or, you know, other people who are deaf have helped me also like, you know, figure it out with my boys, <laughs> figure it out with my own kids too, who who sometimes can't quite tell me everything yet. So thank you for doing everything that you do. Um. And I would love to maybe just start, and probably this is mostly going to be you, Summer, because probably Harrison was a baby when we're talking about, 
this, so you probably don't remember Harrison a lot of it, but I just wanted to kind of start out with talking about, you know, your journey with hearing loss and with Harrison. Yeah, yeah. So as you said, Harrison was um, newborn when we found out that he was deaf. Um, here in the UK, we have what's called a newborn hearing screening, which is given to every baby when they're born. And this was when we first had his diagnosis. Um, so we had that screening and it came back that we had deafness. And then we were referred to audiology where all the other tests were then carried out along the next few weeks and months which then kind of gave us more of an insight to um, how significant his hearing loss was and sort of to guide us with what to do next and things like that. So, yeah, it did happen right at the beginning, which we're thankful for because I feel like having had it happen in the beginning, we've been on a long journey um, with it but we've had all the time to deal with it and accept and make the best of everything that we have and also I think from have, having known early on also we've been able to from then until now share our journey with others the whole way throughout which has been really good. Yeah, and I definitely agree. So that was like the story with my boys too, is that they both, we also have the newborn hearing screening um, here in the United States, which I tell every parent to do and don't opt out of it. Because um, sometimes, I don't know how it is in England, but over here, sometimes people say like to opt out of things for the babies. And that's cool. That's parents' pers like personal choice. But I always tell new moms <laughs> for moms to be that the newborn hearing screen is not invasive it doesn't hurt the baby it doesn't do anything and you need to know it's really important to need to know you know even if you've never had hearing loss in your family well that's 90 percent of the families because our family has no hearing loss <laughs> in our families and i had two children you know with the same type of hearing loss and with cochlear implants and so i always tell parents make sure you get that screening just so you know, and can go ahead and start, you know, all the services and everything really early, because I agree it's helpful. And it was also helpful to know because I didn't have a hearing child until I had my third child. So this was normal, mm. right? This like, it that was just like the way that I had babies. <laughs> and that was just yeah. the way that our babies were. And I it didn't have anything to compare it to. So I agree that you know, although still hard to like hear the that news for the first time, it wasn't as hard to hear it the second time with my second child because we'd already, you know, been through the process and already knew it. But what's shocking when we heard it the first time from, you know, for our first child. And I would love to talk because I know that you mentioned a little bit about like the acceptance portion. And I would love to talk a little bit about what that was like for you, because I think a lot of parents don't go through like an acceptance or an, a grieving process because they think like to be upset initially that your child had hearing loss or your baby had hearing loss is to think like you're not a good parent or you're not accepting them or you don't love them. But every parent who I've talked to 
the grieving or acceptance has been part of the process. So I love to talk about what that felt like for you when you first found out that he like had the hearing loss. Yeah, absolutely. I would say for us as you, it we were not expecting it at all because again, we are both hearing and all along our family line is everybody is hearing. So we weren't expecting that to you know it was a it was a huge curveball and not something we were expecting or obviously prepared for and I feel like as a new parent especially to your first child you have all these worries as it is and then you have this news on top and it's just so overwhelming that's that's the main feeling I remember feeling is just so overwhelmed with it all and being thrown all this different information straight away so quickly when you're trying to understand what you've been told it's just where do you start where do you go and also what you may have thought your child's future would look like at this the current time maybe it's not going to be like that and how can we be the best parents we can be to our deaf baby it was it took a long time as well to to sort of go through that grieving process to then acceptance and you know really confidently say okay this is what we've been handed what are we going how are we going to do this and how are we going to you know do what's best for Harrison and yeah and even now we're still sort of at this point making those decisions and feeling those feelings but just in different ways yeah I love that thank you for sharing because I really just like normalizing that part of the process I know that I've recently talked to a few parents who are like you know starting this process anew, you know, where they have babies or some of them have had, you know, kids who are a little bit older, but like are having their hearing loss now, you know, and they're talking about the same feelings that they're overwhelmed. They don't know where to start because it's a lot and it's a long process when you're starting from the beginning and when you don't know anything. So I really like to, as part of this podcast, normalize those feelings for parents and tell parents that like that is like a normal part of this whole thing, it doesn't mean that you're not a good parent or that you don't love your kid. But when you like move through that process, then like, I feel like you can help your kids better. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would love to know, so you guys at some point, I know started learning BSL. Yeah. I would love to know when you started like incorporating that because I have a lot of parents who you know, are curious about sign language, whether it's like ASL, BSL, you know, wherever they live, um, but they're not sure about it or they're learning more. So I'd love to know when you guys started, you know, working on learning BSL. So we actually started right at the beginning when Harrison first got his diagnosis. And this was because we were told that, well, from some people we were told it's not it's not the best idea because it will delay their language, their spoken language further, which actually there's no proof to that. In actual fact, there is more proof that it it actually helps 
bring on the language. So that was why we started in the beginning. So we once we had started that, I think it was about maybe to age two, once Harrison was implanted and started getting the the spoken language, he would then start to drop the signs. So we wouldn't use it as quite as much. And then we sort of concentrated on gaining the, the spoken language. And I would say not until he was probably about six or seven that we started to incorporate it again, because I just thought, you know, how important the language is to have because technology breaks. He's not always going to want to wear them. I also wanted to give him choices, options for now and for when he's older, if he were to decide, actually, my hearing devices aren't for me. So he still has the language. And so now we are using it again a lot more in everyday life. So I would definitely say it's been a really important part of our journey. And just, yeah, I would recommend learning it to any new parents of, of deaf babies. 100% it helps bring on their language. And it's just such a fantastic language to have completely, you know, whether they are implanted, have hearing aids, whatever it may be. It's, it's really important to have and to be able to communicate with the wider deaf community. That's re- that was another really important um, aspect for us learning it and teaching Harrison. So yeah, really important. Yeah, I love that. And I love that, y- that it was like a process for you, that you started it and then Harrison started talking a little bit better. And so you, you know, kind of dropped it off a little bit and then you started again, which I think is really important for parents to hear Um, Because I think parents get really overwhelmed and in their head about like, I have to learn an entirely new language. And they start going back to like, I failed high school French (laughs) or I'm not good at languages. You know, there's, there's a lot going on or, you know, both parents are working and they think that it's like too much, that it's like too overwhelming. And I love to highlight that it was a process for you guys. And and a lot of people I've talked to, it's been a process too. They learned a little bit and they did a little bit of spoken speech and they learned a little bit more. It's not like they came out day one and like in a week became fluent, Yeah, you know, in a sign language, um, you know, so encouraging parents that, you know, you can learn a few signs and then like build on them. You don't have to be completely fluent all the time to communicate with your child, at least at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to, Harrison, can I ask, would you like a couple of questions? I know it's boring listening to adults. <laughs> Harrison, I would love to know, do you like using VSL? Yeah. Or do you like speaking? Yeah, you do. When, so I know, Harrison, that you do signing Sundays. Yeah. On your Instagram account, which I think is brilliant. I love it. How did you decide to start doing signing Sundays? Why did you want to do that? I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> teaching, maybe like teaching people. I I learn a lot. I enjoy 
watching you and I learn a lot of signs from you actually <laughs> to teach my kids. It was because we wanted to teach others, didn't we? We wanted others to to start using a bit more BSL and learning yeah. a bit more so that they can incorporate it and if they come across somebody who's deaf that they can maybe use a little bit of sign language yeah yeah, yeah I love that amazing so something else that I know parents ask about a lot are school services how's school going this year Harrison Do you like school yeah I'm also a little bit nervous a little bit nervous about school. Yeah. Why? Why do you th do you think that? What year are you in school? What year are you in? That's school. Year four. Year four. Great. What's your favorite thing to learn? Science. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> You're good at science, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Is there anything that helps you in school? Is there anything that like teachers do that maybe help you hear better or other kids can do to, to like help you hear better? Yeah. What sort of things are at school that help you? My radio aid, so I can hear from where I'm sit sat. Mm-hmm, that helps a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. What else do you think helps you at school? Sat at the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you're sat definitely is important, isn't it? Why else is it important um, for you to sit up front? Not just so you can hear clearly, but what else? What else helps being sat at the front? What can you see? The board. And? Mouth. Yeah. So then I can lip read it. Yeah. Are you good at lip reading? Not really. You are. You're so good at <laughs> reading what do you mean <laughs> he's so good <laughs> I mean that's fantastic I can't do it so <laughs> that's where he's done it for, he's always been such a visual yeah. learner but where he's always done it he doesn't necessarily know that he's doing it but he is really good you can and even when he's you know wearing his processes and he can hear he will always still look at your mouth movements and read always I always notice it yeah I love that Harrison what are some things so I know those are some things that like teachers can do to help students who can't hear like putting them in the classroom and making like in the front of the classroom so they can hear and then making sure that they're looking at the teacher right so they can see the teacher's lips moving what are some things that other kids in your class can do to talk to you better so that you can hear them better? Um, kind of the up. same thing, maybe? My friend could wear the radio whilst he's talking to me. What else do they do? Do they have to on the shoulder before they speak to you? Yeah. Yeah. So that they get your attention before mm -hmm. they start speaking to you. Yeah, that's a good thing, isn't it? Because if they're talking to the back of you, that's not helpful, is it? No. No. 
I like to talk to me whilst I'm not even facing you. Oh, no. Doesn't even get my attention. Maybe you could tell him that this that would be helpful if he was to tap you on the shoulder and wait yeah. for you to be mm-hmm. able to see him. Yeah. I know that his friend uses his radio aid a lot when they're out in the playground because it obviously is really quite noisy out there. I think since that's been happening it's it's been really helpful for you hasn't it Harrison and when they do small group activities he has the radio aid placed on the middle of the table so that he's able to hear the children when they're having small group discussions which is also really really useful and also new for this year he's got a pass around mic so when they have whole class discussions Instead of having to pass around his radio aid, they have just a microphone that they can speak into and then pass on to the next person, which is really great. Oh, that's cool. So it's like an actual microphone and does it like Bluetooth to his cochleers? That is like fantastic. That's a fantastic idea. I'm going to tell my kids school. So my kids also use like their mini microphone and mostly the teachers wear it so that they can hear the teacher's voices. But that's a fantastic idea to suggest to them to put it in the middle yeah. of the table so that like if they're having like group talk. Yeah, I think he's still like a little young for but anyway. Yeah. And the microphone, that is a fantastic idea. It's something that I never even thought about. So when you're going around, you can hear everybody talk. I love that. You know what else I love is that your friend wears the mini the your microphone like on the playground. That's so fun. So they can play with you. Do you do you go to school with any other kids that are deaf or have hearing loss? No. No. I'm not the only one in the whole high school. Yeah. So you- one child didn't there I think they were in year six they they left a few years ago I think but there was uh this unfortunately happened while um COVID hit there was actually plans for him to get together with this other child so that you know he was able to just take him around the school and and get him to all the things that helped this other child in school but then COVID hit so it wasn't able to happen and the child left the following year which was so unfortunate but yeah up until then you are now the only deaf child in your whole school aren't you? I am quite sad to be honest. That makes you sad? (laughs) Why does it make you sad? I feel like I want someone else that's deaf like me. And that's actually we've been talking for a little while now about because obviously at the moment he is in a mainstream school we've been talking about transferring him to a deaf school because he's been saying that quite a lot recently over the past year I would say amongst other things so we've really been looking into that so that is really important to us that he's surrounded by others who understand him and who he's able to communicate with fully properly and just have have friends that are like-minded so yeah it's it's something that we are actually looking into that's fantastic Harrison is it important to you to be around other kids that have hearing loss too yeah yeah 
why does it help you know that like you're not the only one or is it because they know how to communicate why do you think it's it's helpful or why do you think you want to be around more people who are deaf or who can't hear very well it just makes me feel like a happy in a happy place. Makes me feel yeah. joyful. Makes you feel like more included too, probably. I love that. Yeah, I understand. My boys go to what's called a charter school here in um the United States. We live in North Carolina, so it's the south of the United States, kind of between uh New York and Florida. <laughs> Somewhere in between there. Um and which is a charter school in the United States is kind of like a public school. It's free to go to, but they can do things a little bit differently than a public school. You know, they don't have to quite do everything that the public school does. Um, and they are, my boys are the only ones in their school also who are deaf. Actually, no, there's one other little girl that came in with my five-year-old in kindergarten this year, and she has hearing aids. But until then, <laughs> until this year, they were the only ones. But, like, they have each other. You know, they have, they each have a brother in the house that, you know, has the hearing loss and has the cochlear implants. And so for my kids, they haven't quite been asking to be around other people with hearing loss. But I think a lot of that is because they have someone else in their own home every day. Yeah. like who has it and you know they're seeing someone else and so that's really normal for them and so I definitely understand Harrison wanting to be around other people who can maybe know sign language better or you know just understand how to talk and just know that you're not the only one that's yeah. really helpful yeah do you guys have a deaf school like near you because we do not have one near us <laughs> We don't have one near us, so it's not like an option. Otherwise, I would probably 100% do it for my boys, especially my five-year-olds. My seven-year-old, who we met like before we started recording, he talks. He does spoken speech. We started sign language with him when he was a baby, and then he started talking and like dropped off the sign language. But my five-year-old still does not hear everything with his cochlear implant because he has a small cochlear nerve. And he actually does not speak very much and he uses ASL. And that is how he primarily communicates. And I have also been thinking about it too, Summer, because I got a, just an offhanded comment. No one was trying to be mean, but I took him, you know, at the beginning of this school year to a birthday party for the kids. And all the kids are like, great. They all play with him, mm -hmm. um, but he truly does not speak. And one of the parents was telling me, yeah, my son, you told me about your son and says that he really likes him and likes playing with him, but he can't talk to him. And that was the first time that I realized that my two boys who have the same hearing loss are going to have two different experiences yeah. because one can talk and one cannot. And so they're going to go through the world differently and experience people differently. Yeah. My seven-year-old is probably going to have a bit of an easier time because he can talk. My five-year-old is probably going to have a harder time 
because he signs and who knows, maybe when he gets older, he'll start talking, but you know, we, we know that he can't hear everything, which obviously makes it hard to do that in sign language he's taken to. Um, so I have been thinking about it too, for my five-year-old, because I just realized as he's going through school, although all of the children are great, um, and he's got a great teacher, he has a teacher of the deaf who is signing with him. Um, there's almost always going to be a barrier. You know what I mean? Yeah. To them communicating. Yeah. And I think that just primarily comes down to that, you know, not enough people sign. And, you know, and it just proves that more people need to learn because that will in turn open up a wider community inclusion for the deaf community who primarily sign and it's just there's always always going to be so many strong reasons why everybody should learn to sign yeah just yeah solidifies that yeah yeah I agree and while we're on the topic of school I'm just interested to know Summer from a parent perspective you know what has it been like for you you know, finding schooling for Harrison, helping teachers and people know what services he needs, what will help him. Has it been challenging or, you know, how has that been like for you guys? So it it has been a challenge. And I think primarily because we have gone the mainstream route, I feel like not very many people understand and a lot of teachers and you know schools feel like because he can hear now that he's got his cochlear implants that's okay he doesn't need any other accommodations and things like that and obviously then we you know come to them with this huge long list of things that he needs to help him in his school environment and they're shocked so it has been a struggle to start with. It was it was actually quite quite smooth sailing and a lot of you know understanding, which was really great. And we got off to a smooth start, and he got all all of the accommodations that he needed, and to a very high standard, which was fantastic. But since having switched from his infant school to junior school, things have changed and we're struggling and this is why we're we're at a point also looking at deaf schools but yeah so it's since being in junior school it's been more of a fight to get him what he needs and that is because of lack of understanding and funds so all of which obviously isn't the child's fault and you know they need what they need so you have to fight for what your child needs and that is what I've learned throughout this process there is going to be a lot of that not just in in the school environment but for a lot of different things and if you're willing to fight for it then chances are you will eventually get there and it will be worth the fight but if you're not then your child will not get what what they need so it's really important that you push for you know the things that they need so because of sort of what we've faced the past two years, 
that is the reasons really why we're looking at deaf schools now because I feel like obviously they do have we've looked around a few and they obviously do have everything that he he needs so they have every accommodation that a deaf child needs so it just makes sense yeah no and that's I mean that's the story of like almost every parent (laughs) that I've talked to and it obviously doesn't even matter what country you're in (laughs) because we're in two different countries and we're having like the same struggles in the school system and so somehow there's like a lack of awareness in the world of how to educate deaf and hard of hearing kids and I've definitely found that in like my own when my kids were in preschool I actually had the opposite they were like in preschool like younger I had a harder time getting services because they reserve the services like here in the United States for like the older kids. So kids who are in like kindergarten, you know, which is the start of like, you know, regular school and up. And so when you're in preschools, you know, so like two through four, two through five, it's harder to find services. So I really struggled last year when my five-year-old, you know, needed ASL and, you know, needed extra things in his preschool I had like four meetings with the school and it was like a year-long process and I really found that I was educating the educators you know I was like trying to teach the people who should have been teaching me yeah who like this is their job (laughs) and they they seem to be better at understanding how to educate like my seven-year-old who has cochlear implants but can talk and so they're just like okay we just work on speed like but they had a much harder time figuring out and I basically had to tell them how to do it with my five-year-old who doesn't speak and communicates in sign language and then it's like no one knew what to do but I, I I did find as he's gotten into like this new school that was an old school too as we like moved into this new school they hired a whole teacher just to like sign with him, a teacher of the deaf who basically is just his teacher and he's with her all day. She signs everything and he's like signing days of the week, signing along to songs. I mean, like his signing since she has just been working with him for like a month, Yeah, like has just gotten so much better. So, you know, even in mainstream school, because unfortunately deaf schools, I don't know about where you are. There are not very many in in the United States entirely. And the United States is pretty big, you know. And so most parents, like, have to either, like, homeschool their kids or put their kids into a mainstream school. It's like they have to figure it out. And it's really hard Yeah, when the school system doesn't understand what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, there is not very many deaf schools here in England either. And there's quite a few from the not so many that we have all sort of clumped together fairly up north and zero down south, which is where we are. The closest one to us is around an hour and a half away. And that is kind of where we're at. That's what we're looking at. And it would be a case of having to travel every day or board or move the whole family. So that's what we're sort of looking at right now. 
but yeah, there's, there's just not enough. Yeah, I agree. That's something the whole world can do is do better or get better services, right? (laughs) Either one would work. But I would love to talk about, you know, while we're on the subject is you probably just from being in school, but you have been such a wonderful advocate for Harrison and Harrison, you are such a great advocate for yourself. And I love that. And I want to know from you, Harrison, I'm curious, do you feel comfortable telling other people like teachers, friends, like what you need to hear better? Do you feel comfortable telling other people that? Yeah. You do? Mm-hmm. That's amazing because I have talked on this podcast so far to a lot of, or several, you know, people who are deaf, like deaf adults, and they are still a lot of times very hesitant to speak up for themselves. And so that seems to be, unfortunately, a theme with people who are deaf or hard of hearing that they want to blend in more and just want to be seen as quote normal and they're even as adults hesitant to tell people what they need and you know I think that is a shame because really it's not that hard I mean you know no one should feel you know uncomfortable by just saying hey can you face me when you're talking or which is so easy (laughs) to do or hey can you you know use my mini micro you know my microphone to talk which one's kind of so easy to do Mm -hmm. um so you know I would love to talk about how you guys have helped Harrison be so good and so comfortable speaking up because Harrison that's not not everyone is comfortable speaking up for themselves so I think that's really fantastic that you are and I would love to talk to more parents and more kids who have cochlear implants and tell them it's okay to to stand up for themselves a little bit. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, I think that he we've sort of tried to instill, you know, self-advocacy from really quite young. And, you know, whenever we've been out and he's said to me, oh, you know, I I I, what did they say? I I can't, couldn't hear what they said. I would then tell him to ask them what they said, ask them to repeat themselves. And it's just, you know, if if they do come to you, getting them to confident and comfortable asking themselves and building on that. And that is primarily what we've done from the beginning, which has definitely helped up to now. And I think just being a child, as you've said, there's, you know, a lot of adults out there who don't feel necessarily quite so comfortable asking, but I think children in general are much more outspoken anyway. So he, you know, if he feels something, he will say it. And he is quite a confident person in general also, which definitely helps. So yeah, but with regards to sort of us teaching and instilling that in him, we've we've tried to do it from the very beginning so that he does feel confident to ask. Yeah. And I love that because it sounds like what you're saying is you just do a lot of like, kind of like mimicking so that he can see you doing it. And then also a lot of prompting 
um, yeah. and like teaching him, like, you know, he says that to you, okay, well, why don't you say it to that person? And because I know a lot of parents like wonder, how can we give our kids better advocacy, advocacy skills? Um, yeah. And it sounds like just kind of prompting them like, hey, why don't you tell blah, blah, blah this or tell blah, blah, blah that. And then think over time, it becomes like we make it really normal to like ask other people for yeah. stuff, which is fantastic. And it should be, like I said, you know, it makes me sad that the world is such that people who are deaf and hard of hearing don't feel like that they can speak up or don't feel as comfortable. Cause like I said, most of the things they're asking are not even difficult or hard or putting anybody out, you know? So I would love for this generation, our kids to feel much more confident as they get older, you know, telling people what they need. Yeah, definitely. Harrison, what would you tell other kids who have cochlear implants if they are kind of shy about telling other people what they need to hear better? If they're shy and they, they felt like they needed to say something, but they weren't so confident to say it, what would you say? I don't know. Stand up for everything's right. Stand up, stand up and speak up for yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, to stand up and that it's okay to speak up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Summer, do you think, I know a lot of people at parents question this, so parents who are at like the beginning of this journey, it's hard at first, right? You don't know anything. <laughs> you have a baby, probably, just has hearing loss, you know, your postpartum, it's just like a lot of challenges at first. I know a lot of parents, you know, want to know like, does it get easier? Does it get easier to advocate? Does it get easier to, like, know what to do? <laughs> do they actually, like, keep their cochlears on <laughs> instead of, you know, what babies do, right? Take them off, chew them, throw them off, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, I know Harrison is still, like, kind of young, but you know, you and I have both been through enough years, at least that, you know, we can help parents who are just starting out for sure. Yeah, I actually did a post on this recently, and it absolutely does get easier. You know, if you are persistent, and you just, you know, believe in yourself and, and continue to do the things that you're doing, because, you know, you are the best person for that child. And you are doing everything right even if it feels wrong in the moment it is you know helping it is going to get better and with regards to the taking the processes off which Harrison did a lot of <laughs> he spent more time without them on than he did with them on in those beginnings that gets easier and that I would say takes probably the longest time to sort of that is the longest journey and it's only when they themselves notice that they're gaining from wearing them. So they're starting, starting to get the sounds. They're starting to, you know, be more aware of the sounds that they're getting and curious of 
of you know what they're hearing that is when for us at least it sort of clicked and he would then keep them on for longer periods of time um but I would definitely say also something that we've learned because I know a lot of people have also been told as we were they need to be kept on you know all waking hours otherwise you know they're not going to be getting enough time in speech that again that's not you know hindered Harrison in any way and as I said before he spent a lot of time without his processors on you know especially now he also has time without them on during the day and that's because he has listening fatigue and he's overstimulated and you know all these things come into play so to to have that sort of one you know slogan for everybody is I just don't think that that's really the right vision to sort of have um everyone's journey's different everyone's baby's different um but overall everything the whole journey does get easier yes yeah I agree yeah definitely especially my seven-year-old is doing a fantastic I mean he keeps him on and stuff my five-year-old was still <laughs> in a rough patch he's also ADHD so he chews them a lot at this point and we, I am on the phone with the cochlear company literally every month. Like I'm not even kidding right now, like trying to get a new, like he chews on the coils. It's like I'm getting new coils all the time, but I know that that will pass eventually, but you're, you're right. And there is a lot of pressure, you know, from providers, depending on who you have. We didn't, I mean, we had you know, providers with audiologists and speech therapists who had a really balanced like view on it and, you know, who told us keep them on as much as possible. But they were actually the ones who told us that our kids and our babies, when they got them, my boys were about 11 months old when they got their cochlears. So my providers were the ones who told us actually that my boys might need breaks. And that was okay, which is not something a lot of providers tell parents, I understand, just from talking to other parents. And so I just think we had kind of maybe a little bit more progressive providers, you know, they did say like, you know, try to keep, try to keep them on as much as they will like tolerate it. But if you're noticing that they're really fussy, or they just don't want to have them on right now, like don't force them. And it's okay because they may like be tired of hearing is what they told us. They may have the hearing fatigue, which is absolutely correct. And which more providers were telling people that. And I agree. My, uh, my kids take theirs off after school a lot because they've been hearing all day. And so when they come home from school, they usually like to have an hour or so when they take them off and they will play. They'll even watch TV, even if they can't hear it. Um, but they, and, you know, we let them do it. It's no problem. Harrison, does it help you to sometimes take off your cochlears or do you like to wear them all the time? What do you think? It helps me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of sound. Yeah. I agree. So I wish providers would, you know, tell give parents a more like balanced view on that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. What Harrison had one question for you. What would you tell 
other people who are hearing, so who are hearing like me, what would you tell other people some things that would help them communicate better with you and help you help them be friends with you better? What are some things that would be helpful that you wish people would know more about doing? Sign language. Sign language. Yeah, it definitely helps. Like you said, in all types of situations. Do you guys do Halloween? We do, yes. Harrison, do you know what you're going to be for Halloween this year? Have you decided? There's been a few, hasn't there? <laughs> Which one? Of costumes. What What are you going to be for Halloween? What costume? I would like to be a werewolf. Werewolf. Fun. Why did you pick that costume? I'm just curious. You just like them? <laughs> you had the costume already, didn't you? And you saw it the other day and you thought, that's the one. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. All my kids right now are really into watching Toy Story. And so they want, I think they all want to be Woody, Buzz, and my little girl wants to be Jessie <laughs> from Toy Story for like the third year. Like both of my boys have been, like we have the costumes already, which is fine. Both of my boys have been like Woody and Buzz from Toy Story for like three years. Oh. <laughs> But they're like really into watching it again. And my little girl, you know, really likes Jessie from Toy Story, of course. <laughs> and so I think they all <laughs> want to do Toy Story again, which is fine. <laughs> it's just like the third or fourth year we've done it. <laughs> what is your favorite candy to get? <laughs> what candy do you like to get on Halloween? These are the important questions that the people need to know, Harrison. <laughs> What's your favorite? Milky Way. Yes. <laughs> I love chocolate. Yeah, you're not really a sweet person, are you? You're more of a chocolate person. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Me too. Yeah. My husband and my boys really like gummy bears. They like gummy things, but that's not like, I really like like the Kit Kats, the Reese's, <laughs> the things like that that I'm like picking out of their bags every time we're going around our neighborhood for <laughs> Halloween because mom needs a little treat from chasing after them yeah. <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> Harrison, what type of stuff do you like to do when you're not at school? What types of things do you like to play or types of things do you like to do with your family? I like playing um, eyes with my mom. Mm -hmm. yeah. We like bowling, don't we? That's a good one. That we, do. we haven't done that in a long, we long time. We haven't, have we? We're going to do that probably the same this weekend, won't we? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> bowling sounds like a lot of fun. In fact, I don't think I've taken my kids to do that yet, so I should probably take them to do like some kids bowling. I bet they would really like that. I'm a little concerned that my boys, especially my five-year-old, are going to end up like throwing the bowling ball like, on someone else's lane or like something disastrous. Our our house gets a little wild sometimes with all these 
children. I don't know. <laughs> I think other houses too, but well, fantastic. Well, we're coming to the end of our time. And I know it's getting a little bit late for you guys. So I appreciate you guys staying on. But one thing I like to do is just, is there any last kind of tip or encouragement or something that we can give parents and or kids? So if Harrison wants to, he can, you know, shout out to other kids who have cochlear implants if there's something you want to tell them. Anything that you'd like to say for the other children, I guess. Thank you. I think to all the parents, just persevere and, you know, take your time. Definitely, I think one big thing that I've learned is since being on social media i think that's the great thing about social media is that you can learn so much from other people's journeys as you said like we're so much further along than you know babies being born today and we are i know i am following people who are much further on in their journey also and it's such a great place to learn things and to communicate is such a nice community people are so kind and are willing to share and if you have you know any questions or worries or anything there is always somebody that will be willing to answer them so I really do think that you know reaching out to people on social media in this community has been so beneficial for us and can be for a lot of other people I think it is for a lot of other people yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that. And you're right. That's one of the good things that social media can actually be is it does help you realize that like you aren't the only parent going through this. Like I hear that a lot from parents and I'm, I know that you guys do too, because you may not like have anyone around you, depending on where you live, that has like another child with hearing loss. And, you know, if you're like most of the families, we certainly don't have anyone else in our entire family who knows anything about hearing loss or sign language. And, you know, we, we have a pretty big like community of parents with kids with hearing loss, whether they have like cochlear implants, hearing aids, whatever, like in the town kind of in the area where I live, but that's not, you know, if you live in a really rural place, you may not have that or just a place that there's not like a lot of deaf people. So that is, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. I've had so much fun talking to y'all. Thank you for taking your time. Thank you for Harrison for sitting through the boring parts <laughs> that me and your mom talked about. Thank you so much for having us on of course guys did you not just love this podcast episode with summer and harrison i told you they were so fantastic to talk to please make sure to find summer and hero harrison on instagram i will link all of their instagram handles and where you can find them in the show notes for this episode and they really are just fantastic and so positive to follow and summer also shares some really great tips she is such a fantastic parent advocate for her child and i personally learned so much from her as well if you have been listening to this podcast for a while go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you are 
listening to this podcast. That way you will never miss another podcast episode. If you are feeling generous this holiday season, I would love it if you take one minute wherever you're listening to a podcast and just write a review and rate. Not only does that bless me big and let me know how I'm doing, but also allows other parents to find this podcast as well. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you back next week.